This is Mom Goals. With world-class professional soccer player, Allie Long. The guest today is Amanda Tice. She is a curve model, a body positivity advocate, and former TV journalist. Her recent book is titled The New Mom Code, Shatter Expectations and Crush It at Motherhood. She has one son. Here's my conversation with Amanda Tice. Okay, so you have a background in comparative human development. Can you explain what that is? Sure. So I went to the University of Chicago, and they have a specific program just dedicated to comparative human development, which is anthropology, psychology, and biology. So you take courses in every single medium, and it comes together to have this whole idea of what human development is. Oh, cool. That's really cool. Yeah. How do you think that helped you in, I don't know, wait, one, meeting your husband? Like when you're meeting people, are you like comparing (laughs) things? How does that work? (laughs) Um, I mean, I think from the time I was a child, even, I was so interested in interpersonal relationships. Mm -hmm. So I, from the time I was even in kindergarten, my mom would always laugh because she'd come, I'd come home from school and she'd say, Amanda, what did you learn in school today? And I would say, well, I learned that Brittany's parents are having getting a divorce <laughs> and she's having a really hard time. And my mom would be like, that's what? not math. <laughs> that's not reading. Like, what are you really learning? Yeah. And so I have always just had this innate desire to learn more about people, whether that is from a biological sense. I, I mm-hmm. love neuroscience as well. Um, or it's from just studying people's behaviors. And I think it, it awesome. really it applies to your everyday life. Everything. Right? No, I know. Right? So it's just, I just love people in general. And so studying something like comparative human development was awesome when I was in college. So you enjoyed obviously going to college and like learning and stuff. Oh, yeah. I, I, it was definitely, it was challenging. There's no question about it. Um, I felt like, you know, the University of Chicago has this whole nose to the grindstone mentality Mm -hmm. where it's like no fun (laughs) it's all you know it literally the slogan like the internal slogan is where fun comes to die (laughs) no way (laughs) okay so you enjoyed learning but not necessarily like well of course the grind but it was worth it because you enjoyed it a lot and I only say this because I feel like I wish that I went to school now because my focus was like I just want to go pro I want to play on the national team I want to win a world cup and I'm like going through school like all right I'm I'm not doing terrible but am I like actually like reaching my max no but I was completely content with it but now I wish I would go back to school and and comparative human development sounds really interesting, but it's just (laughs) something I was just curious about it because for me, it was like just getting through it just to go play soccer. But like I want now I know if I went to school, I'd truly like enjoy it regardless if I where the fun dies. Where does it say? The school where fun comes to die. Oh, right? the school where fun yeah. comes to die. Okay. Yeah. I would even do, I would probably enjoy that now more than I would have when I went to school. But I, you know what? I agree with you 100%. I find that having a college education when you're 18 doesn't really set you up for life. I feel like if I could go back and take all of those same classes now, I would get way more out of it than I did then. So true. Because, you know, at that point in your life, you're not really maximizing the educational 
bit. It's so much of a social thing being in college sure. too. It's like the first time you're on your own, especially if you go to college out of state. Um, and ha- learning about like fraternities and sororities and mm-hmm. different types of interpersonal relationships where I feel like now if I could go back and sit in a classroom, I would absorb so much more of the information so and really true. be able to apply it to my everyday life. Yeah. I, I wish there's a way to like change the system because I feel like, yeah, you don't even know what you want or what you're interested in. There's so many things that have happened like way past college and I'm like wow I wish I could go back and like study that and actually learn about it instead of me like researching it or googling it myself like I want like a (laughs) full-blown explanation taught to me um but it's so true um okay kind of switching the subject actually completely switching the subject um a swimsuit modeling job on Axis Hollywood soon after you had your son was a major moment for you can you talk about that day sure so when I was about 16 weeks postpartum, I remember my agent calling and saying, oh, you have a swimwear casting. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to be in a bathing suit. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to be in a bathing suit. I'm like, it's just a casting. No big deal. So I show up to the casting. I put on the swimsuit that they had in mind. In my opinion, I felt it did not fit. And I was <laughs> laughing because my boobs were like up to my chin. <laughs> And, you know, I felt like I had this mommy top over my (laughs) bottoms. And so I was like struggling to put this bathing suit on. And then I went out for the casting directors and they took pictures and I left and I was laughing. I was like, oh my gosh, that was so (laughs) just uncomfortable, unbearable. And then it really hit me about three days later when my agent called and said, okay, you've booked the job. You're going to be on Access Hollywood with Heidi Klum. And I was like, no way. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Like I, you know, at the time my son was on, you know, like I said, I was 16 weeks postpartum. Mm -hmm. So he was, I was very much in the thick of breastfeeding Mm -hmm. and I still really hadn't figured my way through the whole system of being a new mom. Yeah. You're tired. You're eating weird. You're trying to just survive at that point. Yeah. And and that's right around the time too of the four month sleep regression. So, you know, I had this whole routine I used to do before jobs, getting my nails done, Mm -hmm. making sure my hair looked perfect, all these rituals Mm -hmm. that I was so out of whack that I hadn't been doing. And then all of a sudden I was going to have to do not only that process that I had always done, but then I didn't feel comfortable not bringing my son along with me on the job because I was like, well, if he's hungry, I, I was not, I, I want him to be there. So it was such an, insane experience because not only did I feel very squeamish in my own skin, Mm -hmm. but I also in the back of my mind was thinking about things I'd never thought about. I'm like, what if he gets hungry right when I have to, you know, go on stage? What if I start leaking (laughs) through my swimsuit in front of a national, you know, television audience? (laughs) Um, And not only that, at the time I was I think 33 and all the other girls that I was modeling with were 18, 21. And I'm like, what, why am I here? Like this felt, (laughs) it felt so strange to me that I had booked this job. But at the same time, I was like, you know what? Other moms need to see bodies like mine. 
right? At the end of the day, I was like, you know, I'm in my 30s. I have stretch marks. I have roles. And all these women that are watching this things need to feel like they're represented. And so even though I I may have felt uncomfortable in Mm -hmm. that situation, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get up there and own it. And this is just what it's going to be like being a new mom. And I'm going to push all of that negative self-talk down and let where I am right now shine through. That's amazing. And like your expectations in that moment, did it basically lower your nerves when you're like on stage and on set? Because you're like, I have really nothing to lose. I'm only like gaining almost everything in this situation. Like I'm doing something like so amazing. I'm, you know, showing other moms what this is real life. And I'm proud to like represent as a mom at 33, nipples may be leaking. Um, was it, <laughs> did you feel like less less pressure going into your work versus um, maybe previously? I mean, I think that you do get a certain confidence when you become a mother, but honestly, no. <laughs> you didn't even care. I think, <laughs> I think one of those things is like, I would love to say it empowered me and it made me less nervous. Yeah. But I think, you know, it's, it's human instinct to feel a little bit Nerves. nervous or yeah. shaky right before something happened. Mm -hmm. So I still remember that feeling of them calling me out and standing there and being like, okay, this is it. (laughs) You know, like whatever is going to be is going to be. And, you know. That's like a freeing feeling also. Like just like take it or leave it. You called me to do this. So here you go, you know. So it's like (laughs) almost freeing in a way. It's really cool. Um, How has the concept of a curve model evolved in the past few decades, do you think? Oh, it has changed substantially since I started, so I started modeling in 2009. So at that point, curve models were working, but they weren't necessarily in the mainstream media. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I was still working for major brands like Kohl's and Target, but, you know, there was always the plus size section and the plus Mm -hmm. size part of the catalog that was separate from everything else. Whereas now... I feel like so many new body shapes are represented. There is kind of this movement towards not retouching images, which I have seen, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I have also noticed more recently that blows my mind, honestly, is the fact that we're seeing a lot older models. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting. I had a conversation with my agent earlier this year, and he said, you know what? We're getting requests for models in their 30s and 40s more than any other category. Really? And that's just unbelievable to me because, you know, the stigma was that by the time you were 25, 30, your career was over. You should expect that you would be done modeling. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's really unbelievable to see how the shift has happened towards booking older models, mm-hmm. booking curvier models, booking models with real bodies. Right. And, you know, I feel very lucky that I've gotten to be part of this whole movement of showing women what real bodies look like. Because, yeah, I will admit straight, you know, straight size women are straight size women. They have real bodies, too. But if you look at the average woman in right. the United States, I mean, they're a size 12, 14, which is what I am. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's important that they're represented. And 100%. it's amazing to see how many brands have really hopped on board and started this whole movement of showing real bodies to everyone across the board. No, I totally agree. I think it, um, you know, just someone being able to see someone else 
in that way is inclusive and like just represents them and feels, um, you know, just, I don't know, part of everything. And I think it's really cool. Um, and especially as a mom, like I think that so many people after pregnancy that, you know, they might not fit into the genes that they used to. And that's such like on their mind the whole time. And I think that, you know, being able to free themselves of that because they have so many other things to worry about. Like, you know, like the last thing you want to worry about is like, do I fit in my jeans still or, you know, anything about your size. So I think it's really cool. And you are inspiring a lot of people. Um, and it's really cool. Um, do you feel that you have more fun as a curve model now? I mean, I always feel like I had more fun as a curve model. And the only reason I say that is because I have worked with, you know, they call them straight size models. If I didn't, if I didn't make that clear before, which is a zero to a four, um, because they're always hungry. You know, I, I'm on set with them all the time and it's and like they've like had nibbling. a little <laughs> tiny plate of salad and right. like, you know, like a Diet Coke or coffee. Yeah. And I'm there loading up my plate with whatever the, you know, mashed potatoes yeah. or whatever the catering is for right. the day. Um, and so I just, you know, I always felt like a lot of times they were miserable because they were hungry, you yeah. know, so, so for, just and hangry. I can, yes, yeah. they were hangry. And I, you know, I even talk about that in my book, like, yeah, I, yeah like it's a real thing. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like I did have this advantage of like, it's okay if I have a burger, you know, in the middle of the day on a shoot, because it's probably going to look better on my butt at the end of the day. Right. <laughs> For sure. So that, that was kind of how I, I have always handled it. And the other thing that I talk about in my book that I think is really cool that I'd love to share with your audience is when you are pregnant and you go through this whole body transformation, there are so many things that happen. Like for me, I have uh, skin tags all over my neck. I've got stretch marks. I have all of these, I would say, physical representations of resilience and strength. I love that. Yeah. And I like to call them my mom gems. So mm. I call them my mom jewelry. <laughs> right. I love that. Yeah. So That's instead amazing. of, yeah, instead of looking at those things and tearing yourself apart, which a lot of women do, I think it's so important to look at them and say, wow, look at my mom jewelry. Mm -hmm. Like how cool is it that I am the only one who has this and this is an actual mark of me giving birth, you know? Can I say that for the dark spots I still have on my face that I've been like thinking they might go away, but there's like some over here. I have, I have so many, so much jewelry on my face. <laughs> um, I love that. Um, what inspired you to write your new book, The Mom Code? So the reason I wrote The New Mom Code was because I just felt at the time there just weren't very many books out there that were being real and raw about what motherhood is really like. I mean, there are so many taboo topics that women are afraid to talk to with each other. So that's anywhere from postpartum sex to burnout to losing yourself and trying to refine yourself that happen in that first year postpartum. And I think a lot of women are embarrassed or ashamed or feel squeamish about the fact that they have these feelings. And so I just felt this calling to tell other other women everything that you're feeling is normal, right? Like mm -hmm. everything you're feeling is okay. We all go through these processes as a new mom and they are just not talked about enough. And, you know, the other thing I talk about in my book too is this phenomena of matrescence. Have you heard of matrescence? No, teach me. Okay. So <laughs> matrescence is 
an actual anthropological uh, phenomenon that happens when you go through the process of giving birth. And the anthropologist who studied it was Dana Raphael, and this was in 1972. And she talks about how women go through a social, developmental, biological, spiritual transformation that is equivalent to the developmental push of adolescence. Wow. So this is rooted in science that Mm -hmm. this is happening to all new mothers, and we don't talk about it. The fact that you don't know the word matrescence is a sign that socially and culturally we are doing a bad job. Right. Yeah. Because I just got relief. I'm like, oh, okay. It wasn't, I'm not actually like that crazy. So like this whole time, (laughs) there's a reason. Okay. Just like you can get to it. No, it is a, it is a real thing. I mean, I, and I think that women don't hear it enough that it is a real thing. And, you know, we're always talking about quote unquote mom brain. Mm -hmm. Well, mom brain is also a real biological thing. Thank the you. actual gray matter in your brain is changing to adapt to new responsibilities that you have as a mom. So, you know, I, I just feel like sometimes those things are glossed over and mm-hmm. all moms need to know that everything they're going through is completely normal. I think I figured out what mom brain was because there was like a period of time where I'm like, wow, I forgot that. Wow, I forgot that. What is <laughs> like there has to be something wrong with me, you know, and, I'm, and someone I think someone was like, do you have mom brain? And I was like, mom brain. I had to like Google it and like look it up. And I was like, oh, are they like, are they being for real? Or is it like, you know, I didn't know what that person was like referring to. And when I obviously researched it, I was like, okay, like I feel better about this because I've been so forgetful. I'm not like thinking about the things I, what, it was just like this weird feeling of like, am I alive right now? Like what is going on? You know, Um, when there were periods of that where I was just like, what? I, I didn't really understand that, but, um, it makes me feel way better once I knew that. So I think you're right. Like there's not, it's not talked about enough and granted. Um, and I love why you wrote your book, but like leading into, um, my pregnancy, I was like, I want the realest like advice. And I didn't, I was like, I'm not going to read any books. I don't want to be like swayed. I don't want to be nervous. I don't want to like, I didn't want to read any books leading into pregnancy. And then I met a doula and she's like, you probably might want like some tips before you go into delivery. (laughs) I was like, really? She was like, yeah, like even just breathing, it might help you with less pain might be quick. I'm like, oh, okay. So maybe I I should. I was like, no, 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 I'm not. Like, I just wanted to go into it like blind because I wanted my own, like just experience and not having something in the back of my mind or whatever. And I knew that so many books don't really like show that realness behind um, motherhood and stuff. And I didn't want to be like scared away or like nervous, more nervous before my C-sec or whatever. So I love that you wrote something to be like real and know that like, listen, everyone else also goes through this as well. It's so important. Yeah. I mean, the other thing too, I have to say, and I do talk about this in my book, is that no amount of classes you are going to take or we'll books you will have read yes. will prepare you. That's why I didn't I mean, do it. So, yeah, I, I like, mean, I I could never have written a book. Like this book is not necessarily for moms that are going through pregnancy. Maybe at the very end after, of their pregnancy. Yeah. It's more about the few years preceding having a child. So postpartum, because it really, it focuses on all the things that you're dealing with when Mm -hmm. you're in the thick of it. And I do think you're right. It might scare some pregnant moms because (laughs) they might be like, oh my gosh, this is all coming. Yeah. But like I said, it doesn't matter how much preparation you do. No one your own experiences, your own experience. Yeah. From for new motherhood. It it is what it is, you know? Totally. 
how long would you consider postpartum truly is? Is it one year, two years, like three years? To be completely honest, I consider postpartum the rest of your life. Because really? it is, because I feel yeah. like you never stop being a parent. True. Right? At the end of the day, I mean, people like to put a timeline on it, like postpartum is three months or a right. year, whatever it is. But I consider postpartum any time after having a child, because those responsibilities you feel as a parent and the way that you change and grow, even every time you have another right. child, is all postpartum, right? This is all a postpartum body, right? True. My body will always have the mark of having a child on it that will never change. Right. So for me, I, I consider postpartum really for the rest of your forever. Life. Yeah. Yeah. It's for That's life. a good point. Um, what was the most surprising thing about writing your book? Was it something you always wanted to do? So for me, yes, I had always wanted to write a book mm -hmm. and I didn't have any idea what that book was going to be about. So for me, I really found my motivation in new motherhood. For fun, I used to journal all the time. I used to write all the time. And so that was kind of my safe space where I felt really good was mm -hmm. writing. I just didn't necessarily think that my book was going to become a published book. I mean, a lot of <laughs> your journal is going to be a published book. <laughs> right, exactly. And the funny part about it was most of my book, I would say more than 50% of it was written on iPhone notes. That's because awesome. it would be George had a tantrum that day and I was exhausted and it'd be 2 a.m. and my mind would be spinning and I'd be thinking, you know, why is he going through this biting phase? Is this mm -hmm. normal? Like, how can I stop this? And so then I would at 2 a.m. be like, OK, well, I need to get all these feelings out. So I'm going to share this story you know, through writing mm -hmm. on iPhone notes. And so then it would come to me of, okay, here's the story. Now, what are some practical tips that can help me navigate this issue? And so then I got in this habit of writing a story about something that happened with George and then finding ways that I could either journal through that obstacle or actual things I could do and activities I could do to help me combat that problem. And so, you know, my book not only, you know, is little anecdotes and it really gives you advice, but it also gives you journal prompts so that you can oh, cool. reflect on certain things that you're going through. And it gives you actionable things that you can do to change your mindset and really change the way you perceive something because reading's great and all, but things are much easier read and mm -hmm. said than done. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make sure that moms had actionable things they could do to help get over that hump. That's amazing. And just like simplifying it and, and, you know, giving them a couple things is, is so much easier than to like read something and pick it out. Should I, maybe I'll do that. Maybe, I'll, you know, it just gives a goal. Um, so that's really cool. Um, has there been any feedback from the book that was particularly like impactful on you? Any feedback from the book? I think the biggest, the, the biggest feedback I've gotten is all, thank you for writing this because now I feel so much less alone in new motherhood. I mean, the thing people don't talk about all the time and that if I were to go through my book, I could tell you the actual statistic, <laughs> but somewhere close to 90% of women feel lonely that first year of motherhood. They feel alienated from their peers. They feel like all of what they're going through is not normal. And why are they feeling this way? And why are they having postpartum anxiety or depression? You know, and they feel this sense of there's something wrong with me. 
Mm -hmm. right? Or I'm not good enough. And so, you know, the majority of the feedback I've gotten is, thank you so much for writing this because now I feel like I'm not crazy and it's okay that I I feel all the things I feel, right? Which was really the goal of why I wrote the book in the first place was really, I wanted to create a guidebook for moms to feel like, okay, I've got this. Like, I can get through this and everything I'm feeling is normal. And this is just takes like focusing on it for a few minutes and problem solving my way out of it. I've got this. That's awesome. Um, Do you think that education alone would help combat, you know, a lot of those feelings for women, mothers everywhere, just whether it's a class in school or whether it's just more, more articles or more like, something in the media that would educate people more about it. Like, how do you see that? Like, what could change, I guess, in order to women feeling more comfortable, unless every person, every mom on the planet had your book, what else could we do, you know, to, you know, educate others? Do you think it comes down to education, I guess? I think a lot of it does. I think a couple things need to happen. I think number one, when moms are getting sent home from the hospital or their doulas, they need a guidebook. No one, there is no sort of manual that you get about it. Sure. There's a little portion of like how you're supposed to take care of yourself. And maybe there's a paragraph about breastfeeding, but none of that could possibly be enough Encompass everything for sure. Encompass what it needs to encompass when you leave the hospital, Mm -hmm. right? I definitely think that not only should there be like a more comprehensive guidebook that you can reference if you need it that should be given to every mother when they leave the hospital, but I think having postpartum classes through the hospital would also be really important. I think some some hospitals do them. They have lactation consultants and they specifically Mm -hmm. help with breastfeeding, but that's really the scope of what they're doing. They're not helping you through all of the burnout and the anxiety mm-hmm. and the depression. And it becomes your responsibility financially and, you know, socially to try to figure it out. And I just, I don't think that's fair, right? I think moms are kind of left behind in that way when it comes to education. I mean, the thing that also drives me crazy <laughs> is that, you know, we go from being pregnant to being a mom overnight. And all of a sudden we are expected to know what we're doing. It's like all of a sudden we're supposed to be a shaman and we know the purpose (laughs) of life, right? (laughs) And it's just, it's ridiculous, right? Mm -hmm. It takes a village, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think that's the other thing too. I think there needs to be more moms supporting moms and moms being transparent about what motherhood is really like. I do think that social media in the past year has really like momfluencers mm-hmm. that are promoting this self positive self-talk and reality of motherhood on their channels are what's going to make the difference in the long run. The mm. more creators that are, you know, real. telling it yeah. how it is and showing the real raw version of motherhood, the better new moms are going to feel as they go through the process. It's so true. I'm a mom of twins and they are nine months old. What mom code advice do you have for me? (laughs) (laughs) So honestly, the best advice I could probably give you where you are is to make sure that you prioritize Mm self-care. And I think that first year you are so in the thick of it 
that you forget that you're a person too and you have needs and you can't just be 100% focused on your children and your job. There has to be space and time for you. So whatever that self-care looks like, maybe for you, you need a massage once a month or maybe it's you need two hours to go to Target. You just have to not be afraid to ask for that help and ask for that time because we you can't have these crazy expectations that you're going to be the perfect mother doing everything right all the time. It's impossible. It's so good. Hold on. I'm taking – I'm finishing that sentence. I'm literally taking that <laughs> I mean, I can't just listen to it, but I'm just saying. <laughs> um, okay. Amazing. The other thing too is it's okay to not be okay. I mean, that's the thing that I think – a lot of moms have a hard time with. Like you were saying earlier, you said, oh, I feel crazy. Uh, I don't understand why this is happening. It's okay that you feel that way. That is totally normal. You are still problem solving your way through new motherhood. And the other thing too, and some people don't want to hear this, but my mom told me this and it really stuck with me (laughs) was, you know, I said to her, I said, when George was a newborn, I said, is it going to get any easier? I say that and, all the time. When is it going to get easier? Yeah, when is it going to get easier? <laughs> and the truth is it doesn't get easier. It's just different, different. Yeah. right? So instead of being worried about, for example, like an ear infection, <laughs> then you're worried, oh, well, is my child doing the right level of reading, right? right. Or it, it just – it. It just becomes different. Or, you know, my son is six. And so he just started going through this phase of now in class, there's crushes. And so it's like (laughs) all little little feelings get hurt of why doesn't so-and-so want to play with me? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, this girl said she had a crush on me. What's a crush, mommy? Right? So like you just start dealing with different things as they Mm -hmm. get older. So it's not not easier. It's just (laughs) different. Um, I usually – like it's so crazy how many people – now that I have twins, I run into and they're like, oh, I'm a twin or I have twins or and I, my question is always like, when does it get easier? And they're like, they look like up for like little it's the same thing. And they're like, there's different phases, some people and then some people are like, oh, when they sleep through the night or like they'll pick a random number. But like I kind of laugh at myself because I ask every single time and I just know in the back of my head like and I see it right now, like from the first three months when it was brutal, I wasn't sleeping at all. Then all of a sudden now I'm sleeping, but now I have to walk, run around because they're climbing, putting everything in their mouth, oh, yes. crawling everywhere. I'm like, maybe I'd rather not sleep. You know what I mean? I'm like, maybe I'd yeah. rather not sleep if you just didn't crawl and climb everywhere. <laughs> so it's just like different phases. But I no, I take it back. I love seeing them um, explore and like get their own personalities right now. It's a really cool little phase. But I could – even though I already know the answer, I still ask every time. Like, so. Yeah, of course. It's so I mean, funny. Okay, so here's the other thing, too. I have a whole chapter on this. It's called Finding Joy in the Mundane. And I really think that if you can also change your mindset as a mom and make the things that seem mundane or annoying or frustrating fun, mm-hmm. it changes how you experience motherhood in general. So, I mean, like I said, my son's a little bit older, obviously, but you know, when I'm folding sheets or whatever, I, if I just like throw them up and down, you know, <laughs> my laughing. son yeah. is loves, loves it. it. He thinks it's yeah. hysterical and I put on music and I give him a sheet and he can entertain himself for 15 minutes. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's all about trying to take those things. And I give tips on that in my book too. take That's those awesome. things and making them more fun. Mm-hmm. so that it doesn't have to feel like, oh, when is this going to get easier? It's like, well, this is right now. So let's make the most of what right now is, you know? 
Yeah, I love that. It was so funny today in practice. My friend needed help putting on her glove, and I was like, "Oh, this is what I do with Trent." Like, I feel like I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, give me your hand, you know, like just like joking around. But um, I think that like I I feel like a not a one year old, but I feel like a five year old when I'm with them. Like usually most of the time, just because um, I do try to make it fun. And I think that helps so much. It's such good advice. I think I learned that from my mom. She's a kindergarten teacher and she has a million kids all the time. And I'll like walk into class to visit the kids or read to them. And or this is before I had babies and when I had time and um, just seeing her act like almost their age, I'm like, okay. So I have a lot of, a lot of like um, experience in seeing that. And I think that I couldn't agree more. I think that's so helpful, like making it fun um, in your own way and whatever that looks like for your kid and you or kids, um, which is amazing. Um, what is your mom goal for the week? So I think my mom goal for the week is being a better listener because my son <laughs> is definitely at the age where I hear mom, 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 mom. And then everything he says after that, I don't hear. <laughs> <laughs> So you lost me at the fourth mom. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I'm always like, okay, okay, okay. You know, like hold it together, <laughs> yeah. you know. And I honestly, I've been reading this awesome book called, here, I'll show it to you actually. How to talk so kids will listen and listen so kids will talk. Oh, man. And not that I should be promoting someone else's book, <laughs> but I will say this book has been amazing because it's helped me to realize how I can be a better active listener and so I have taken the last couple of weeks and really tried to hone in on my listening skills. So that's been my goal this week is really working on my listening skills. I love that. Um, well, thank you so much. You're awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. That was a great conversation with Amanda Tice. I took a lot of notes and learned a lot. My mom goal for this week is to finish the baby's nursery in our new home in Jersey before my season starts. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. This has been Mom Goals with Allie Long. Please like, rate, and review. Mom Goals is a gallery media group production.